Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today, I am honored to have Eileen Davies back on the show. Eileen is one of the most well-respected mediums in the UK and abroad. She is known for her accuracy and specificity in her mental mediumship demonstrations and one-to-one readings, giving detailed heart-centered evidence of survival. She is highly valued for her personal integrity and humility. She's an exceptional trans medium and cherished for her nurturing way with her students, freeing them from their own blocks and self-imposed limitations. Having served the spirit for 30 plus years, she is a wellspring of wisdom and experience. She is a course organizer at the Arthur Finley Spiritualist College and the trustee and principal of Kings Wells House Aberdeen. Welcome to the program, Eileen. Thank you very much, Marla. Yeah. And where exactly are you today? I'm at home in home in Aberdeen in Bonnie, Scotland. Oh, so you actually live in Aberdeen. Okay. I, do. I live in Aberdeen. Although I was born in London, um, I moved up here when I was 18. Um, uh-huh. My father passed when I was 17 and my mum came from Scotland originally. So... I've ended up here and uh, thought I'd give it a try. And I've been here for 40, 44 years now. So I make, it takes a long time for me to make my mind up. It's a beautiful country and it's got its own power. It, it has a very almost mystical um, energy, I think, in Scotland. You know, when you go into the highlands and you see the mountains and it, it's got just such an rem- amazing energy and feeling to it. Oh, I know. I just, I want to visit again so badly. Well, I'm just so honored to have you back on the program. So thank you so much. And before we, in our pre-conversation, you, you were talking about what's going on in the world today and how it's a time for not only inner silence, but also some changes at even a global level. And, and I'd love to hear you speak on that. Obviously, we're going through an enormous shift at the moment on every single level and layer of life and existence. Nothing is what anybody is classing as normal anymore. But if you look upon it from a personal perspective, when we go through difficulties, uh, when we, it's a crisis, and a crisis comes from Greek, ancient Greek, and it means a moment to decide. And so when we go through a personal challenge, I believe that we are being called to look at ourselves, look at our life. Maybe we're living a life that isn't coming from the center, um, our authentic self. And in very many ways, a crisis is calling us to align our own individual selves with a deeper 
connection. And I think essentially that's what's happening globally now. So we're going through this enormous crisis and we're all um, heads of government, uh, rulers and leaders are all having to look and review things from an entirely different perspective. I wonder if we're moving from an age where people are being caught up in their greeds rather than their needs. And it's time now to look at not our own needs, but the needs of others as well. You know, we all are aware that there's so much suffering, so much poverty in humanity. And I remember many years ago hearing the most wonderful saying um, from Mother Teresa, and she said, there is more need in the world is a greater need and hunger for love rather than food. And oh, I wow. think that is so powerful because a lot of people, the youngsters, when they, we say they get a little bit waylaid, it's very often from a lack of love in their life. Uh, how mm -hmm. can we change the world? We can't change the world. We can only change ourselves. And we can do small things with great love, with a deeper awareness. It's very remarkable at the moment because we're really being saturated with all that's wrong and there's a real sense of fear um, that's touching everybody's minds. But I think it's really important to try and align ourselves, maybe just limit how much news we watch every day, do a check-in to see what's happening, but don't you know, continually re-look um, at and repeat all the negative that's out there. So it doesn't mean we're turning a blind eye and forgetting about it. We know what's happening, but we have to uh, make the choice, I believe, inwardly, because we can only ever think one thought at a time. And that, that's the truth, isn't it? So if we make a choice to think in a loving way, a life-enhancing way, in a positive way, and look at what is the universe telling me personally, individually? Is there anything I can do? But also, is there something um, on a greater level that we can all collectively do when we come together and work for the greater good of the whole? Yes. And I know you mentioned, we talked about just nature and the blossoming of spring. Could you just talk about that? Yeah, it was quite remarkable when the UK first uh, went into lockdown. And, you know, I'm very blessed. I have a garden. Not everybody has a garden. I know that. Um, but I was outside and there was this incredible stillness and silence. And I looked at the buds just about to open up and the birds, I really fully listened to the bird song. And it, it was creating this sort of magic, this deeper awareness within. And um, it was quite remarkable because three days after I had this experience, and it was for me a little epiphany. It was a moment where I felt deeply moved and deeply connected, albeit in such a, a humble, simple way. I read that um, there was an Irish priest that wrote this beautiful poem, and he mentioned how it is said in Wuhan, that they can, for the first time in many years, hear the birds sing. Oh my gosh. And I thought, whoa, it was like there was this synchronicity in some way. So yeah. the air pollution or the pollution from the industrial places there, it's quietened down. And so people could, for the first time in many years, hear the birds sing. What a joy. 
Yes, what a joy. Nature doesn't know that human element right now and what we're going through. And it's still just blossoming and bursting forward with with joy. And it can bring us a lot of joy right now. And always. Absolutely, because nature knows nothing of the fears of man, the worries that plague us and trouble us. Everything flows in this unbroken continuity um, in the natural world. And again, I think it's very beautiful and positive that's coming from this. If we must always try and look at the positives in life, in our difficulties, in our suffering, mm-hmm. and nature is restoring itself um, globally. The pollution it's been seen from outer space that the pollution over these central places of great industry is all beginning to clear so in many ways it's giving the earth a breathing space uh, a moment now to restore and rebalance and align so i think it's very easy to get caught up in the small stuff um, right but you know there's a wonderful wonderful absolutely beautiful saying by Thomas Keating, the Trappist monk. And he said, we live as guests in the divinity of nature. And Uh. that is so rich. I contemplated and took that statement uh, one day into my meditative practice because we are guests. We are just visitors here on this planet passing through. And I know there are some indigenous Uh, native uh, people that they had a saying many many years ago that we have to always think seven generations ahead oh wow it's not enough to just look at what's happening in our life um in our generation we have to think of those uh that are yet to grace uh, the earth by their presence and be here the tibetans have a very very similar one as well with a new invention or a new discovery they used to think how will this impact and affect the generations that will follow and you see i think we've been very short-sighted absolutely i i so agree with that so speaking of your beautiful meditation um we talked about this a little um, um in the first interview but I just, I, I just want to chat about it again, and I know it's called Meta. I think I'm, I'm saying that correctly. Correct. And it's such a beautiful meditation. You talked about the three things that you kind of focus on during the meditation. And could you share that? Because I, I think that would be such a great tool, I guess I will say, a spiritual practice for all of us to, to begin now in this kind of quiet time. I think it's really vital because at a time like this, we are being called um, to look at what nourishes us inwardly and spiritually. And if we have a spiritual practice, it can be a source of great strength Um, because, you know, otherwise we're left suffering and wanting and we feel very alienated from society, from one another. So to spend a little bit of quiet time, uh, the practice of metta is really just the art of loving kindness. And mm. we, we can only really practice loving kindness when we have truly been kind to our own selves. You see, many of us feel that we're imperfect And there's an art, I believe, in realizing that there is perfection in imperfection. Uh, 
that we've all come here for a reason to be as a guest as um, Thomas Keaton said in the divinity of nature to experience the richness and the diversity of life but to realize that life isn't expecting us to be perfect so when we can practice um, loving kindness it's accepting ourselves. It's allowing a sense of forgiveness. You see, to be perfect is too great a burden. Mm. Um, you know, and trying to like everybody is too great a burden. We can't <laughs> possibly like everybody. But if we um, practice loving kindness, we can look beyond the differences, even when people, um, which, you know, they can be, um, especially those sometimes around us who are closest to us, very challenging and trying. But if we can practice loving kindness, we begin with ourselves. That means accepting, forgiving ourselves for past mistakes. It's really about taking your awareness to your heart and allowing the love to expand and the love which includes your first embraces your own self then those around you uh, those that have touched your life you know everybody everywhere i believe is a yeah, teacher some are teaching us by their good behavior and example how to be and others are teaching us how not to be so mm -hmm. if you look upon it everybody everywhere is teaching you something um, then it, it makes it a little bit easier. So loving kindness then to those that we've known, friends and family. And then uh, this is quite challenging. And I think you have to be well practiced in metta or loving kindness. That is then bringing to the light of awareness those who in your life have caused you great suffering. Oh, wow. Now that's a very, very... Um, challenging thing to do and it's quite interesting because what happens in this practice when you sometimes think well you've forgotten um, <clears throat> someone's behavior or their actions and you've forgiven them you find that when you're following this practice the lights of and remembrance of them seems to come um, first and foremost into your consciousness and so then you realize there's still more work to do right and that work is bringing great effort in small ways, uh, not judging. I think that's, that's a really, really big thing. So it's very freeing, it's very liberating, but it's very authentic meta as well because it means that you know, you're working on that practice today and hopefully the next day, and sometimes you are gonna get it wrong, and sometimes you feel, yeah, I haven't forgiven, or I'm not free fully, but that's okay, because mm -hmm. we're human beings, and it's all right to be um, far from perfect. I, I think right. by, by doing that, it's very beautiful. Yeah. And it's helped me in my life. Yeah, it, it's a beautiful practice, and it um, reminds me of another Mother Teresa saying that you you have mentioned before, which is we draw our family circle too small. And, you know, we need to reach out to others, whether it's just our immediate biological family, those that have caused us suffering, because, you know, many, many times, if not all times, those are the people that really teach us the greatest lessons it sounds so kind of cliche and but because it's hard to admit but you know there's a reason that they're there another thing that you say is the universe is a symphony 
we add our own melody and uniqueness that wasn't quite there before. When we know we are eternal beings, it takes us through the door of transformation. I love that. I think those two quotes were separate when you did say them, but, but I, I love both of them. But how how so true that we all have a special uniqueness and we have to remember that. And everyone does. That's so true because so yeah. many people um, spend a lot of their life trying to be someone else instead right. of just simply being their own selves and realizing that in this moment, in this life, we are just as we're meant to be. And yes. so life is calling us to really look at ourselves and question how can I make a difference you know we have to find our own riches and inner treasures within our own being within our own self and I believe all spiritual practices um, are bringing some unique quality that you know I'm very eclectic I'm a spiritualist um, you know I spent my whole life being uh, this bridge between heaven and earth so to speak but I've always had a very inquiry mind and I've done so much sort of searching and what can I look at what can I take on board that I can use as a practice um, that will enrich my living of my life and give me a deeper understanding you know it doesn't mean you've got to be holier than thou and go around all the time in a superficial way it's taking us the very deepest sense of who we really are and right. acknowledging that and being comfortable right. with that. Beautiful. So, so being that, you know, you've spent much of your life being, you know, bringing forth these messages from, from the afterlife. Do you have one or two, I didn't tell you, I was going to ask you this, but okay. that just, just, that just come to your mind that, you could share because a lot of our listeners are have not really been around mediums that much. Uh -huh. This is kind of a different different audience. So so can you give us a couple of some of your profound? I mean, you've been doing this for so many years. I think uh, an experience that touched me. In fact, it left me speechless. Actually, I was working in Vancouver. It's a few years ago. And it, um, the meeting was held in a spiritualist church, but it was a public, you know, it's a demonstration that was open yes. to everybody. Um, and if I can remember rightly, there were three um, people in a row who all had sons in the spirit world. And there was a lady at the back. So as I relayed a certain piece of information, um, it was like it was interwoven between one and the other, and, and it, it went from one to the next person, but the commonalities, it wasn't general things. The information was very specific. You know, like if I can recall, um, you see the yes. spirit world always use our frame of reference, what we've experienced in life, all our uh, places we've visited, visited the relationships we've had and so I heard Aberdeen well I live in Aberdeen but um it was Aberdeen Street one of one of the sons had been murdered or lived in Aberdeen Street or something like that I can't remember exactly but it's it's as though everything flowed but the wow. lady at the end her son had only been passed for um two weeks or something and so 
what the other people in that row were experiencing and receiving was preparing her to receive her message. But then what amazed me, because it was very intricate and very specific, I sat absolutely silent on the way back to where I was staying because I began to think of the implications of, from those in the spirit world. Had they met together in some way, those four sons, three, they didn't know one another, the three right. ladies all next didn't know one another. Um, the lady at the back, um, she became involved as well. But what was mind blowing was the fact that the dynamics of it, had the sons met in the spirit world and said, well, look, if I say this, then that will touch your mother and your mother and your mother. And I, I just, I just couldn't take it in. Wow. It was so involved and so intricate. And um, funny enough, I was thinking about that the other night and it is one of those moments where it touches you and makes you feel incredibly humble. Um, and it brings to light to your mind as well how the spirit world those in the spirit world must have a concept before they communicate of what they need to share and convey yes. that nothing is by chance everything is must be thought through to the most finite detail so that their loved ones can go away with a lighter heart knowing that their son their loss because loss changes us. We are never the same people after deep loss. It's almost as though life becomes then in two separate parts. Before when that person we love was still here and then after, it's, it's as though part of us goes with them. Mm. And I'm sure you'll know how that's, you know, how that, how that feels. Because we lose, it's like we lose part of ourselves. But I take great comfort in the fact that death cannot destroy that which never dies. And love is invisible, yet it's very real. The spirit is invisible. It's invisible to us. We see our physicality, our body, but we don't see the spirit. Sometimes we glimpse it when we look through someone's eyes and we see it's like their soul shining back or looking back at us. Um, and so that was absolutely amazing, but not from my perspective at all, um, but from just how deep the spirit, you know, those loved ones actually communicated and got wow. touched those people. Yeah. Um, I, you see, I think sometimes, well, I don't think I know, sometimes when we're working, um, doing a demonstration of mediumship, it, it looks maybe like it's not going as well as what we'd like or hope. But then I'm always reminded by the other world, we're not there to look good. We're there to right. help the other world. And that's true. Yes. I've had sometimes people come up after us and said, oh yes, I understood that, but I was too uh, shy or too embarrassed to put my hand up and you know, say yes. And you know, because we can feel very vulnerable when we're getting a message, particularly in a public place. Um, right. on a medium and I, I understand totally and particularly if we're a very shy person and you know um I, so I get that but I think that what humbles me 
and, and touches me very profoundly is the great lengths the other world go to, to prove yes. to us that they're with us still. Yeah, yeah, so, so true. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so as a medium and a healer, um, what have you gotten any messages like during your meditation about going back to what's what's going on in the world? I guess that's the question of the day to, to mediums like yourself. <laughs> but um, yeah. Yeah, I think going back to what I touched on before, that it's aligning us all with what really matters. Right. Uh, what is really important. I think we've got so, we live at one such a fast pace. We've got lost in this society that must have, and you know, it's like a hunger um, where we're never ever full if we get caught up in all the material desires. And I think what's going to come of this is we'll have to simplify our lives and take care of each other realize that you know my living my life isn't just about me that my actions have um, a reaction and consequences and so to begin to think uh, globally and not just locally and right. as I said earlier for future generations uh, that that is so vital we have to sort of just stop looking at this narrow framework of this is you know where I am and my life and and reach out a bit more a wonderful right. poem by um, an English poet called uh, Francis Thompson part of it is all things by immortal power hiddenly to each other linked are that thou canst not touch a flower without the troubling of a star and, you know, when I read that poem, because I love poetry, and yes. many, many years ago, I thought, that's it. That is absolutely it. What happens here where I am has an impact, you know? And we have to start thinking like, you know, the mass production that some people buy cheap clothes. It's very easy to get caught up in that, isn't it? But there's some poor person in a sweatshop, maybe in India, that's suffering to provide. Right. And I think we have to really shift and look at what is ethical, uh, what is right, um, how, um, what I'm doing, the impact it's going to have on future generations. Yeah, that's so important. And I've learned from my research in, in plant medicine and in different breathing techniques and this and that, but and, and medium, mediumship, um, that when you can truly let go and heal, you can actually heal future generations too. You can um, get through that, whatever that thing has been that has kind of been transferred down through the lineage of the family. And once again, if you really work on yourself and you can let that go, you're freeing future generations, which you're right. The indigenous cultures have known, have known that forever. And we, we need to think about that a lot more. And then we talk about climate change and this and that, and what we're leaving for our children. But I don't know if Western civilization really thinks that much about lineage. I, I really hope that, that they're starting to, but I also to segue a little bit, but it's still all the same topic for sure. Um, you say, 
or someone said, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was you, God is too big for one religion. I remember you quoted someone. Yes. And I think that also just when you're thinking of others, and I love that idea of really looking at their soul, looking in their eyes with no judgment. We also, I think, need to rethink what our judgment of different religions, because you're right, it's all about love. And you can't say just because you don't believe what I believe, then this is going to happen or that is going to happen. And can, so can you just speak on that a little bit? Yeah, um, and just to um, retrack a, bit, a little bit there, I think, you know, we live in the thought generation of the past. And um, what we're experiencing now is what those before us um, those that have come before us, we've inherited yes. that. And now we're creating what generations coming after us will inherit. And I think yes. that's very, very important. I think there's something quite remarkable happening um, at the moment because essentially we're not adopting the religious tradition of our parents or their parents. People are beginning to think for themselves and they're beginning to question. And if you look at how every country, you know, is a melting pot of all nationalities, of all culture. So it's, we have to then look at what can I learn? I think divisions, barriers, hopefully are being eroded. And so that we can meet one another and have a sense of unity and diversity and honor mm. someone else's right to perceive the world in a different way, uh, to you know, honor their culture, their way of life. And I think the three, the three R's, we should always have reason, uh, reverence and respect. And I think if we oh, live good. by those three, three words, to have reverence for life, you know, where we are right now, um, Christina Rossetti, wonderful poem, British um, English poet, um, it, it's one of my all-time favourites, tread softly, for all the earth is holy ground, could be if we looked with seeing eyes, the spot at which we stand is really paradise. You see, if we can have that reverence for life and reverence for one another, then all the conflict will, will begin to cease. But the generation now, you know, my age group, uh, we have to, it has to begin with the children. We have to, I'm not saying it's too late for us, um, you know, or me, I've, you know, I've lived a great part of my life, but the, the generations, we have to tell, we have to teach them. And we can't teach them just by words, but by being an example. That's yes. the only real way we can teach is by being a good example. Uh, you see, St. Augustine once said he was asked to go out into the world and preach. And when you have to speak. Now, how profound is that? So in other words, by your life, by the living of your life, by you being an embodiment of the truth, um, then by your ways and your manner and your conduct, then people will be drawn to you and touch that same truth. Oh, that's so profound. And yes, the children, we were just talking about this the other day in an interview about how they watch 
every movement, you know, and what, what do you do when you, and, and we all try to do our best, but what do you do when you see a homeless person or what do you see when you see a hurt animal or if you know a neighbor is grieving or if you see a butterfly that has a broken wing or, you know, just what every living in the present, as you say, the magic of the grace of truly being present reminds us of our own selves, our authentic selves. And to give that to the very young, to be able to tap in to watching an adult or their teacher, if you will, be their authentic selves. What what a beautiful gift. And to see us loving unconditional. And, and that is it, isn't it? Because, you know, if we are our authentic selves, if we bring a sense of connection and we're truly present and, you know, we, we think before we say anything, yes. because every thought we have is either life enriching or life denying. Every word we say can be a blessing and a soothing balm of comfort. It can reassure or every on the opposite of that, it can be something that's very harmful or damaging. And once it's been said, it's been said, you can't take it back. Right, so right. It, it really, I think it's so important. And these are really core spiritual values. You know, it isn't enough just to take ourselves off to a church on whatever your holy day is and think that's it, I'm fine now. Uh, <laughs> we've got to live it. Um, yeah. by by everything and yeah we're, we're not always going to succeed um we can't you know we're human we're we live in in a beautiful world but it's an imperfect world but yes. it shouldn't stop us for for reaching out and seeing the beauty and trying to see um something that um is lovely within all things or within all people. I think that's very, very important. And it's so important. And we all suffer, you know, I think that people get caught up thinking sometimes that why me, why me? But we have to remember we, we all, it's part of the, it's part of the story and it's part of the transformation of ourselves, you know, how we come out of that suffering. But speaking of words, I love that as you do, the Sufi saying, before you say anything, be sure that it's, yeah, it's three things. Is it kind? Is it honest? And is it necessary? Yeah, it's so important. It's so simple. It's so simple, yet so <laughs> you need the reminder a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and we have to wrap it up, Eileen, but before, um, I know you're going to close with a beautiful inspirational poem that I just think speaks so clearly about, about what's going on today, knowing, not d- diminishing at all the suffering that people have been through, because I know both of our hearts are so, you know, when it touches you personally, it's, it's, um, you know, it's a whole different, a whole different deal, but um, it's, it's just such a beautiful poem. But before you read that, um, could you just give us a few words of wisdom of, of this quiet time of this 
going into ourselves and and what we can what we can do to to just make this world a, a better place yes i think that when we do create the space in our lives and you know we can't go charging around everywhere at the moment um, it's not allowed in most countries so hopefully if we sit and we create a silence it's in inner silence uh, within our own being within our own self there is de something deepens within us and we feel a more powerfully connected to life to who we really are when we clear the debris of our everyday clutter and our thinking and distractions because we all go around uh, incredibly distracted all the time and what are we left with once we've moved beyond our own thoughts because you know we're not even the thoughts that we think they're visitors that come and go that mm -hmm. fill you know our minds sometimes but when you move beyond that um in a in a meditative practice you touch something divine you touch something eternal it's timeless and you realize that you know the body isn't you um, that you're boundless and free and that we're just passing by as guests and visitors on this planet but what is eternal what will remain when we leave this physical body behind um, the spirit and yes there is enormous loss um, people are losing maybe not just one member of the family but sadly two and and you know my heart goes out to these people um, because as I said before loss changes us we're never the same but when you view it from the eyes of the spirit that what's happening is that soul is going home where have we come from the eternal world we're guests here passing by where do we go back to you know we, we are not um, this body uh, birth and death are just doors where our sacred spirits pass that was Chichnat Khan that said that, the wonderful Buddhist. Birth and death are the doors where our sacred spirits pass. And so if people can know that their loved ones aren't gone, they're not dead, the essence of who they are is still there. Our loved ones are still thinking, feeling, caring. And if we can quieten ourselves to the distractions of the world to the senses we glimpse eternity we touch heaven and for that moment we feel we can feel replenished and renewed we can feel their presence but we have to be removed of the blinkers all the things that stop us realizing this you see all people i think that nearly all people i've known that have come to a spiritual meeting have done so because of loss and when you have the treasure and the knowledge that we are eternal beings and that in one day, come what may, because the only great guarantee of life, uh, this physical life, is that one day we will leave it. We will leave behind our physical body and we will be met in the arms of love. We will be reunited by those who we have loved, who love us, who we have shared um, part of our life with and it changes so if people can just allow the window of awareness of perception to open a little bit and to invite 
the possibility that their loved ones, it's only the shell of the body that's gone. Yes. Not the soul, not the eternal self. And then it, it, can, it can help. I know um, I've gone through loss in my own life. Of course I have. Um, and it, it doesn't take away the pain, but it eases it mm-hmm. over time because we know and realize that the excitement of knowing. I remember, this is digressing a bit, the first time as I was 17 when my father was very close to passing. Yes. And I remember the first communication I had from a spiritualist medium. And I honestly, I felt I floated down the road. I was so overjoyed. It just changed me. And I'll never forget that. I'll never forget how that made me feel. And that's the thing that motivates me to spread this understanding and truth. Because people are suffering when they could know. Yes, Uh, beautiful, beautifully put. Well, um, would you like to share in closing, share the the poem with us? Yes, it's a passage um, and it, you know, it it touched my awareness, um, as I said to you prior, um, when I heard the silence and the stillness that no traffic, no cars, no planes going overhead. And it's called outside the sun is still shining and the birds still sing. A silent hush descends upon the once busy streets, a silence created by the impact of an invisible power we can neither see or touch, and yet it has the power to take away a life of someone we hold dear. In the breath of a moment, it is stronger than any army or leaders who rule by force and power as it is invisible. Yet out of the window, the sun still shines and the birds still sing. And the call of spring speaks of new life and urges the buds to unfold into the grace of belonging. Nature knows nothing of the fears of man, but responds to the silent strength which awakens new life into being. In the silence, an invisible power was also speaking to the soul of man, to abandon fear and greed forever in a space which was created in the stillness, an echo of who we really are stirred as a reminder to put away the madness and return to the center of belonging. To meet each other with openness of heart and mind. In the space, an opportunity was given to right all wrongs of the past and to learn to truly love again. Not the love of things, but of people in a world that had forgotten how to truly be in the presence of each other and to stop to hear the birds sing. Because of this, a new hope filled the hearts of man And a vision to create a better world began, where all could live together in the great dance of existence. And because of this great love, the invisible power could harm no more. And just as the flowers in spring, the blossoms of love and kindness filled the gardens of the earth, a new world was born. Wow, that... That is beautiful. 
And who, who was that from again? Um, that was a one evening I received that uh, oh. at the start of the lockdown. From the spirit world? Yes, I'm sure from the spirit world in some way. Um, uh, hopefully from all this um, suffering that so many people are experiencing in various parts of the globe and um, areas of life and living, uh, hopefully a new collective vision will be born yes. to, that we really have to respect and reach out and not just care for our own needs, but the needs of others and those around us on the planet. Yes. Beautiful. Well, Eileen, thank you so much. It's always such a pleasure to see you and an honor to interview you. And if people want to find you, how would they do that? Uh, I have a website, EileenDavies.com. Simple. Great. And that and the poem will be on the show notes. You have a wonderful day and um, we will we will talk soon, I'm sure. But thank you for your wonderful words of wisdom. Before we meet again. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. Take care. God bless. Bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at Interviews with Innocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.